0: What's going on, everyone, and welcome in to this edition of B. Shaf Daily Live. As tonight, Wednesday, May tenth, twenty twenty three, we're talking about unfortunately a St. Louis Cardinals loss as the Cards were unable to complete the sweep of the Chicago Cubs. They lose tonight, ten to four, at Wrigley Field in Chicago. Thank you guys so much for being with me tonight. If you're new to the channel, go ahead and subscribe to the channel, and then within sixty seconds you will be eligible to join the live chat where. All your friends and Cardinals fellow fans are, uh, that didn't come out right. All your fellow Cardinals fans will be uh, asking questions, making their commentary known, and you can join them by just subscribing. It's free. You don't got to pay for anything, Uh, but it helps me to know that the folks who are invested in this uh, can at least throw me that sub. It helps a ton as we look to build this channel up and uh, make it the place to be post game for Cardinals games all season long. uh, As often as I'm able to, like I've told you guys, if you're familiar with the show after home games, I got to race home, uh, you know, the speed limit, of course. So those might be 11 p.m. that we kick it off. But y'all haven't minded that so far, and I really appreciate you guys uh, for joining me on, on those evenings. Tonight, though, we got a pretty quick game, and so we got a 9.30 start time for the stream, which you like to see. Uh, give it a like. Let's see it get up to 20 likes here. Uh, I'm going to give you my quick impressions of tonight's game, and then we're going to dive right into the comments section, which, again, you can participate as a subscriber of B-Shape Daily. I set it as short as possible. One minute is all it takes and then you'll be able to uh, comment with everybody else. 10 for tonight, the Cubs beat the Cardinals, and the game started off all- well enough, uh, thinking maybe the Cardinals might be able to pull off this sweep but the way the offense uh, was able to get that run in the first inning. Uh, how about Nolan Aranato, by the way, uh, tripling the opposite way and scoring Paul Goldschmidt? You like to see that. You like to hope that that might be something that can get him jump-started. It was the only hit that Aranato had tonight, but he also reached base via walk. so slowly but surely, as I've been saying on the stream, I think Arenado is beginning to come around and perform a little bit better at the plate. I still saw some frustration in my replies tonight, though, about Arenado. Uh, I'm understanding of that. He ends up with one strikeout, three left on base, so uh, opportunities were not taken advantage, uh, advantage of in full for Arenado tonight. But nevertheless, I'd like to see some of what he did. But the Cardinals really never had a chance in this game. They scatter runs in four different innings, and they come up with a total of four. Uh, Paul DeYoung, once again, deserving some credit for the way he looks at the plate right now. Uh, 364 is his batting average for the season. I don't think many would have expected that on May 10th. But two for four tonight with a run scored. He's just hitting the ball well. Even the the singles that he's stroking to left field look good right now. So you'd like to see that from Paul DeYoung. He'll stay in the lineup for the foreseeable future, uh, getting it done that way. And a lot of hits tonight for the Cardinals, 10 in total. But the Cubs had more. They had 14. And tonight is the story of the Cardinals rotation and the struggles that have Continued, despite, imagine that, the catcher change. Yeah, Wilson Contreras not the problem with the Cardinals starting rotation. No matter what that rotation might have you believe and what the team might believe about it, it's not the case. The Cardinals have a pitch-to-contact rotation. The Cardinals live in a world now where you cannot shift your infielders. Did that play a huge role tonight? Not necessarily. A lot of balls against Montgomery in the air. He had an unusual outing for him by his standards. Three walks was a season high That he allowed, and allowing two home runs is not what you expect of Jordan Montgomery either. He didn't do well in this game. Five innings pitched, seven hits allowed, three walks, that's ten base runners, and six runs coming around to score all of them earned. Walks killed him in this game. You see walks followed by home runs, followed by hard contact. It was a rough go for Montgomery, who sees his season ERA climb to 411 And you might be saying, well, that's not so bad relative to the rest of the rotation. And you'd be right. But a guy pitching like Jordan Montgomery has pitched this season, which has been pretty good with a few rough spots. If he's your number four in your rotation or your number five, you're talking about a very, very sturdy starting pitching rotation. Jordan Montgomery has been the Cardinals' best starter this season. That is a problem, especially after tonight. If you would have gone out there and uh, shoved one more time, you'd be talking about a guy with a sub-three ERA, Uh, more, more than likely he started today, I think around 3.2. So he had been pitching pretty well, but that is not the guy that with the ERA and the numbers that he's put together, you think, Oh, number one, he's a top line rotation guy, but that just goes to show the, the Cardinals and the way they have struggled this season in the rotation. And I want to make something clear just because they won this series in Chicago does not mean suddenly those woes have been fixed. If you go back the last three days, I would make the case that this series, despite the Cardinals winning two out of three, was one of the worst that we have seen all year from the starting rotation, from the three guys that pitched in this series. Miles Michaelis going four and a third in game one is not sustainable for this team. I'm glad he only gave up one run. It isn't sustainable. And you saw why. You kind of saw it play out tonight in the way that the bullpen you get to Verhagen and Nail, the two guys that hadn't pitched yet in this series. They're probably the lower end of the, the totem pole in terms of your, your, your bullpen guys. Verhagen gives up three runs. The The Drew Verhagen season, as I often talked about, seems to be off at this point in time. He's just not been performing to the level that uh, I was hopeful that he would and that we saw him at the beginning of the year. And then James Nail is just, you know, he's out there to fill some innings and was able to, to get through a couple innings tonight, but gave up five base runners. That's the situation you put yourself into when your starters don't get deep into games. It started with Miles Michaelis. It continued yesterday with Flaherty, who only went five innings. And then you, you got on both of those days six different relievers, three on each day, to come out and give you good outings and allow the Cardinals to win those first two games when combined with a little bit of timely hitting. Tonight was a completely different story, but it was the same in terms of the rotation, struggling. Five innings, six runs for Montgomery. That's three games in a row where you do win a series, and yet – You don't have a single guy recording out in the sixth inning. This is not sustainable for the Cardinals, and it is a problem. And it's one that I thought was maybe going to get a little bit better, but we're getting into mid-May now, and we haven't seen it yet. And so that's a little bit of a concern. That's a lot of bit of a concern, and I know Cardinals fans are concerned. And to me, the worst part of it all is there's no obvious way to fix it right now because the one guy that you had thought maybe they'd be willing to replace Steven Matz, you go back to his start uh, five days ago, he was actually fine in that outing, like five-plus innings. I don't. I think he was charged with maybe one earned run. Uh, things started to get away from him at the end, perhaps, but he was fine. He's not a guy that you're replacing after that last outing. Everybody else, you might be pulling your hair out about the way they've pitched and the lack of efficiency, the walks that lead into bad contact with runners on base. It's a terrible combination right now that the Cardinals, I don't know what the end in sight is for it. They made a decision to go away from Wilson Contreras, at least for a little while. We've talked about that. We don't think it's permanent, but for a little while, Contreras isn't going to catch. That didn't make a difference in this series. The starting pitching still was inefficient, still struggled, still didn't execute. All of the above was true. And so now what do you do? I don't know what it is. We felt like the vibes were better for this team, and for good reason. You finally win three games in a row. But tonight we're reminded that the underlying issues – That were issues in the offseason. It's why John Mosley lock is our cover photo tonight for the stream. If you clicked on it from Twitter. It's still the same thing that it was. It's the starting rotation. And so that's a concern. We're going to get right into the comments here. Once again, if you're new to the channel, welcome. If you'd like to be able to hop into the the, the pool of uh, content and top chat and all that good stuff. All you got to do is subscribe to the channel. And within one minute, you will be able to join the chat on the right side of my screen. I assume it's over there for y'all as well gonna take a drink of water let's get the likes up to 20 and then i'll be right into the comments section that is good agua okay allison says hello liked retweeted and shared allison is the star player of the stream thank you for doing that allison if you want to retweet it it's at bshafer 12 on twitter but more than anything just make sure you are subscribed appreciate all y'all for being here uh tyler says that john Mozalock just doesn't understand the art of pitching Yeah, so we're going to talk about that tonight again, aren't we? Last night on the stream, I had about a dozen of you, it seemed like, at varying times tell me, after I sort of predicted, hey, Jack Flaherty might be a little testy in tonight's postgame. Y'all let me know what you see. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And sure enough, it came out, and he was, and got into a bit of a back and forth with, uh, well, not only Jim Hayes of Bally Sports Midwest, but Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And, after the stream finished up last night, I was like, I would love to see that. That is going to be some compelling TV, I imagine. Um, but Bally clipped it. Uh, somebody that you know was uh, was cutting up their stuff for them uh, wanted to to just kind of edit it a little bit, and uh, it was like, whoa, where'd the part with Derek go? Um, and that wasn't anybody that you know. By the way, you're not. Don't look to throw stones at anybody that you think, oh, they're trying to do this or that. It wasn't like that. It was an innocent deal. Uh, but eventually, they put up the full stream. Uh, of the the interview that saw uh, Derek and Jack kind of go back and forth a little bit. You may have seen it where Jack Flaherty had told Jim Hayes, if you're going to keep asking these questions about my fastball velocity, it's a signal to me that you just don't understand the art of pitching, which explains Tyler's uh, clever comment here that he's made in the chat. And that was like, oh boy, now the uh, the gloves are coming off a little bit. He basically said, I don't want to answer any more questions about the velocity He had been asked about it. Here's the context. He has been asked about this previously uh, during this season because there have been multiple games where he'll have an inning that'll be, you know, 92, 93, typical Jack Flaherty fastball, and then he's suddenly at 87, 88, 89, and you're wondering, what's the change in velocity signify? What's the deal with that? And he's been asked about it before, and he's talked about the fact that it is something he does intentionally at times, although if you look at the numbers and the data on his fastball velocity – He's had more success at a higher velocity, but there's things he might be searching for, might be looking for better command, might be looking for more movement on a fastball, and so you might, you know, tinker with the velocity a little bit. He said, I'm going to play with it. It's something that I've always done, and I'm going to continue to do it. Eventually did answer the question, but he got a little angsty about it and wasn't pleased with the fact that he was having to talk about his velocity again. Now, Jim Hayes had mentioned this is something they talked about on the broadcast. That's why I ask it. You know, Jim and Jack have a great relationship. I don't think there's anything there, uh, but... Part of this was, and the part that was edited out, and then you got to see it later on if you were awake past, I don't know, one AM last night on Twitter, was Derek Gould of the Post Dispatch chiming in and letting Jack know a very legitimate point, which was Jack, we don't know these things unless we ask you them. We don't we don't we can't assume what it is or what your reasoning is unless it comes out of the horse's mouth. That's paraphrasing, but Derek basically said, Until we ask you, we can't know. And so that's why we ask you. And so Jack then replied again, well, then you don't understand pitching. And Derek said, I'm sorry. And Jack goes, I'm sorry. And they kind of went back and forth. And Derek said, "Did you say I didn't understand pitching? That was your retort. And Jack said, well, that's kind of what it is. And Derek, again, lets him know. And I again, I agree with Derek in this instance where he says, we just don't want to guess at what it is and assume we want you to be able to tell us, hey, here's the reason I do what I do. Because that's for the fans' benefit. It's not for Derek's benefit that he asked that question. It's not for Jim's benefit that he asked that question. It's for the fans at home that may not have seen the last press conference Jack did when he talked about Velo. or for the fans at home that could have been watching in the third inning and going, wow, Jack Flaherty, 88 mile per hour fastball. That's not really what I normally see from him. I wonder what the explanation for that is. And then uh, an astute reporter would ask that question after the game as Jim Hayes did. And Jack didn't like the, you know, didn't like the question being asked. Uh, I can understand some frustration for a lot of different reasons. His ERA is 6.18, so he's probably not thrilled with the the way the season has gone for him. The team is more than 10 games below 500, probably not thrilled with the way the season has gone for the team. And so you're going to see some frustration, right? We know that Adam Wainwright got in uh, a little bit of a a kerfuffle as well over the weekend with uh, the phrasing of a question that he didn't like from J.D., from John Denton of MLB.com. And these guys are frustrated right now and it's okay to show that emotion. And I don't think any of the reporters necessarily, you know, are going to mind it when you you get that, as long as the guy ends up answering the question, you kind of know it comes with the territory that these guys are out there grinding, trying to do well. And when they don't, there's going to be frustration. I think everybody who does the job understands that, but it's one of those things that it comes off to me that Jack has a misunderstanding in that moment. And maybe it's just because he lets the frustration boil to the surface and You know, logically, it doesn't really matter what the reasoning is. But in that moment, what's happening, the function of what's happening is people that may have an idea what's going on or not. It doesn't really matter whether a reporter ahead of time understands the art of pitching in the way that Jack phrased it and knows the reason for why he's going to take some off of the, the fastball from time to time. It's really not anybody else's place to assume it on Jack Flaherty's behalf, right? You could get into a situation as a reporter where if you write something or you say something, and you had an opportunity to ask the player about it and you didn't, and you got it wrong, how does that end up looking, right? That You kind of end up with egg on your face as the reporter because the player, if they happen to see that, can turn around and go, hey, you know, this isn't what you said it was and you never asked me about it. That, that's kind of the way this can turn around on somebody. And Instead, it's just a very simple and uh, straightforward way that a reporter would ask a question and say, now by asking you, I've given you the opportunity to explain it in your own words, and now I can quote you. I can give that to the fan base and and their experience as a Cardinals fan is richer for it because they're reading that coverage, whatever Derek ends up writing or they're watching uh, on, on Bally as Jim Hayes asked the question, whatever the case might be. That is the function of why these, these guys and gals are doing what they're doing. Uh, it's not because, you know, they think what's wrong with you, Jack Flaherty. Why were you throwing 88? And they're trying to hold his feet to the fire. I know everybody always says, hold them accountable and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a lot more nuanced than that. And in that moment, I think it's just we're trying to gain perspective. I say we. I wasn't at this game, obviously. I wasn't in Chicago uh, for this series. I'm here. Um, but that's what the reporters are really trying to do. And so that moment got uh, you know, a lot of play, and I think rightfully so, because it was just one that kind of showcases the frustration of a pitcher during a tough stretch for the season and for him. Um, but at the same time, I, I thought it offered an opportunity to kind of shed some light on – like, here's a function of why the reporters are asking about that. Um, because if they didn't, they wouldn't really be doing their job. Because that was a topic that people were talking about. Yes, it's happened in a previous game. Uh, and, and they talked about it then as well. And so Jack might just be a little fatigued by that line of questioning. And I can understand that. It's it's the human nature of it. Um, but at the same time, if he can take it, take that moment to go, you know what, this isn't actually Derek Gould telling me that, you know, he he needs to understand why I've done this. It's more... The Cardinal fan out there that's going to read it or going to hear it or going to see this on TV, and then they're going to be able to have a better understanding for what they were watching when they saw me pitch. I think it's valuable. Uh, there are players who maybe don't think that that's valuable, and and some people might find it interesting. Other people might say, I don't really care about this. Um, but yeah, let me know if you have thoughts on the reaction by Flaherty. Uh, we've talked about it a lot, when it, whether it's Ollie Marmel or a player in the post game. What have I always said, guys? These these interviews aren't the end all be all, right? It's it's not as important as the things that happen on the field when it comes to a, a team and what their mentality is and, and what they're going through. Uh, being able to do it or not do it on the field is always going to take precedent. But because these interviews happen and, and it offers an insight into the player's psyche and things of that nature, we do tend to talk about them. And so uh, I did want to bring that up for anybody who uh, had thoughts about that from last night. Definitely some interesting stuff. And so we can get to that off the top. But uh, I'll take another drink here and get right back into your comments once again. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so, and then you will be just 60 seconds away. YouTube makes you wait 60 seconds, and then you can uh, go ahead and comment with your live chat as well. Caleb says that the Cardinals won two of three, so he's not too mad. Does wish they had a better assembled bullpen. Uh, Zuniga, Guillermo Zuniga should still be up. I mean, I was a little surprised to see him go after he looked pretty good in that first outing that he had, but at the same time, I just don't think that I have a lot of issues with the way the bullpen is assembled right now. Like, you've only got the one lefty in Cabrera, but Palante acts as another lefty the way they use him. Uh, James Nail comes in. for Hagen. those are kind of your bottom guys that, that you use tonight in a game that was was you're on the wrong side of. It turns into a blowout, obviously. Uh, but I look at Monday and Tuesday, I don't really have any issues with the way the bullpen was uh, was constructed or utilized. In fact, I thought Ollie Marble did a great job uh, using the guys and, and spreading out the guys he had available in those games, and they end up winning both of them because of the bullpen in large part. The fact that they were able to have six guys basically do their jobs on Monday and Tuesday, even when the starters didn't. Like, they didn't go deep enough. They weren't quite efficient enough. And the bullpen was a bright spot of the series until tonight. And I don't think this takes away from it, honestly, because, again, they were down to basically the two guys that they used tonight. James Nail gives you two innings for a reason. He may be somebody that ends up on the wrong side of the Memphis shuttle sooner than later just because... Uh, of the fact that, that they needed to use him for multiple innings. But I look at it, and, and I don't really have a problem with the bullpen right now, the way it's constructed. It's the rotation that is going to continue to put strain on that bullpen that I think is going to be a problem for the Cardinals as time goes along. Allison asking the question of the hour, how do we get the starting pitchers to have more quality starts and go seven innings? Allison, it is, uh, it's the elephant in the room. It's the biggest question right now of this Cardinals season. And it's hard one to answer, right? Like, they have tried to make changes. They thought the catcher change could be something that would impact it. And I'm not trying to bag on Andrew Kisner. I've actually liked the way he's played the last few days with this opportunity. He's doing well at the plate. Uh, Another hit for him tonight, going uh, one for four and scoring a run. He's got the average up to 220, which is, you know, uh, more than it had been. He had been in that low, uh, low range below 200 there for a while. He's hitting for some power and able to get another knock tonight. And I like what he's doing behind the plate. I don't think there's anything to to write home about with that, honestly, in either direction. I just think the pitchers are who the pitchers are. And it's just a it's part of the reason it makes it so wild that the Cardinals have made this move with Wilson Contreras after, you know, 30 some odd games. It was barely over 30 games when they first, I think, started to get the inkling that they were going to do this last weekend. It's not Wilson Contreras that's causing the issues with this Cardinals pitching staff. It's the same thing that the the fans and and some in the media were harping on back in November, December. Like, this team has depth in the rotation. They've got, you know, Moselec had the quote, we've got six starting pitchers. And that made everybody roll their eyes because technically you did have six guys that had major league starting experience under their belt. But that doesn't necessarily mean quality experience or, or mean that you can count on those six guys coming into 2023 to be your rotation. We're kind of seeing the struggles of that. I don't think it's just, hey, these pitchers stink. I don't think it's that simple. I think there are a lot of things working against the Cardinals. One of them is the catcher change, but not because Contreras is no good or Kisner stinks. It's because Yadier Molina uh, was was epic. He was excellent. He was, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. I, I, I think first ballot, that could be interesting to see. Uh, nationally, I don't know what the opinions are on that. I would say first ballot hall of famer. If you realize the impact he had on the Cardinals for all those years and this Contreras situation tends to, uh, to add to that fact, right? The way things are going now only maybe allows you to appreciate what the Cardinals had in Molina for all those years. And I've made the contention that I don't think the Cardinals even fully understood all the things that he did. They always said how great he was, but to think that Wilson Contreras or anybody else for that matter could just waltz in and have everything be hunky-dory after Yachty is uh, vacating the premises after all these years where he just flat-out handled it. I just don't think that was realistic. I think it was short-sighted of the Cardinals. And at some point over the first month of the season, they must have realized that too and said, we're throwing Contreras here to the Wolves, and uh, maybe we just need to take a step back and, and try and work on some of these things behind the scenes. Now, whether or not that's the right decision, Still remains to be seen. The Cardinals have never really fully given the reasoning for it. They've been very vague. They have admitted that they've been vague about it on purpose. Uh, I can maybe track down the quote. I believe it popped up in a Jesse Rogers uh, story for ESPN. He's a a writer for ESPN.com is Jesse Rogers, who's covering the series, I believe up in Chicago. But he's the one that I saw that had the quote about the fact that this Cardinals team has looked at Contreras and has decided he needs to be removed right now, but the fact that the Cardinals aren't really going to tell you why. Here's here's the quote from the uh, Rogers story. There's so many different layers and elements to what we're talking about, said Marmel. We're making sure he understands the full process of how we think through a game plan. And then Rogers writes, Marmel was asked to be more specific. And then he says, that's the part I unfortunately won't disclose, and that's the part that won't make sense to the rest of the world. It just won't. I'll wear it until then. That's the part that will stay in-house, and at the end of the day, it won't make sense to anyone else, but we do feel confident in the end product. So, like, the Cardinals felt like this was a severe enough situation after a month and a week, whatever it's been, to make the move that they've made. But I just think that's scapegoating to the highest degree. You've got to consider all the other factors that, that are working against the Cardinals here, including the ban on the shift, the pitch clock, the fact that Contreras didn't get to work with Wainwright for the first month, And Wainwright's a guy that would call his own games on Pitchcom. So if you needed, you know, a crash course on here's how we like to do things and call games, just follow the lead of Adam Wainwright. Guess what? He didn't get a chance to do that. He also had half of the team's pitchers go to the World Baseball Classic, which is great. At the time, it was like, oh, that's really cool. The Cardinals are letting everybody go represent their country. How good does that feel? I don't think the Cardinals would do it over again the same way necessarily. And that sounds weird to say. Um, and and I could be wrong about that. You know, I asked John Moseluk about it down in Jupiter at spring training. And he said, we didn't tell anybody they couldn't do it. And we didn't, we didn't tell Contreras. He couldn't do it. We just asked him what he planned to do. And he said, he felt it was important to be here. And they were glad to have him make that decision. But realistically it wasn't enough when half the pitchers are gone, you're not going to be able to, you know, necessarily work with all of those guys as much as you, you might like Michaelis and Wainwright were two of them. I think it's one of those that, in retrospect, you can look at and go, yeah, it makes sense now, looking back, that it's caused them some trouble. But maybe they underestimated the impact that it would have. I think just a lot happened at once. Uh, new pitching coach, we've talked about. The bench coach situation, I don't know how much that impacts the rotation. But, you know, Holiday was going to be the new bench coach, and then he wasn't. And then they get, in in mid-January, they come up with uh, Joe McEwing. Like, just a lot of changes I think the rule changes have been a huge impact in a negative way for the Cardinals in that regard um, because they have a rotation that doesn't miss bats. It just doesn't. I think they were last in the league last year in Ks per nine. They have a gold glove defense and that's been something they've been able to lean upon. But guess what? The impact of that in a positive way is going to be decreased when you tell those fielders where they are and are not allowed to stand. It is just common sense. All of these things. I think the Cardinals maybe just didn't fully appreciate at the time, when they were uh, bringing on uh, Wilson Contreras to be the next catcher, and I also think that there were just things that Yachty did that even if they said they understood it and they they appreciated Yachty for all that he was, it's like it's not till he's gone that you go, oh man, I didn't even realize that was a thing or that was an aspect. It's kind of the un unspoken things of a guy who's so diligent and he's the first one in the in the facility in the morning and you know always getting that extra work in and that extra prep in. It reminds me of like you, you could have an office job and you could have a supervisor leave and you replace that supervisor and you go, I think I know how to do this job, but there's going to be some little element of one part of your job that it might be a week or two weeks in that you think about it and you go, crap, I don't, I've never been taught how to do this. It, I think it's that sort of situation when it comes to Contreras and the Cardinals in the catcher position, except for Yachty was the best office manager that Dunder Mifflin's ever had. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, It's very much a a situation where the Cardinals just didn't know what they didn't know, and now they're finding out all at once, and it's coinciding with um, all of the things and the rule changes and the other things that are happening. So, Allison, you asked a a complicated question that led to a long answer, and yet I didn't really say uh, how the Cardinals are to go about fixing it. they got to be more efficient, but the pitchers have to do it, and they can't be scapegoating the guy who's calling the pitches to make that happen. Hell, you call the pitches if you want. I mean, that— I don't know why more Cardinal starters couldn't do it. If Wainwright does it, I don't know why others couldn't necessarily follow suit. Um, they they do have to figure out something, though, because they're going to tax the life out of this bullpen to the extent that it will not be a sustainable model for this team uh, to be able to climb out of the hole that they're in. And, uh, the, you know, they score four runs tonight. That's not going to win every time. We talk about getting above four. You can feel confident about it. But the offense, I mean, it's not even a factor tonight. You, didn't, you weren't going to score 11. You can't ask for 11 runs from the offense. This is a game that uh, was blown by the starting pitching and then the bullpen didn't help matters. But I can't blame the bullpen because it was guy number 7 and 8, right, out of your bullpen that you expect uh, to be relying upon. The other guys got to pitch already in the series and they were part of wins. Tonight it had to be these guys when your starter doesn't go deep. So that's just where the Cardinals are at, and it's very tricky to figure how they're going to improve it from a rotation standpoint. Going to take a quick drink of water, but want to remind you guys to subscribe to the YouTube channel, and if you do so, you'll be able to chat within 60 seconds. It's a one-minute delay, and then you can join uh, the chat and let me know what you thought about tonight's Cardinals loss or uh, maybe the Jack Flaherty stuff from yesterday. This is a good thought from Brent, I think, that the uh, scapegoating of Contreras looks worse after Jack's outburst while Wilson Contreras has been completely professional throughout it all. and He really has been. I think the Cardinals are fortunate that Wilson Contreras is the the kind of guy that he is that wants to win and wants to improve. Like, he hasn't made excuses. He's talked about feeling like, you know, clearly he's he's got some things they want him to work on, and he wants to do his best to do that. But he hasn't struck me as a guy that's made excuses about this situation, which I think is is super important, and he's been super professional. He hasn't thrown anybody under the bus. He's said a couple things I, that I've seen about, well, I talked to Yadi about it, and he kind of agreed that the execution, missing on execution is uh, maybe the thing costing us right now, which, no, duh. But he says, I don't want to throw my pitchers under the bus. You know, we've all got to be better. So I think he's been a consummate teammate about it. Um, but I agree that the fact that they're scapegoating him and I don't know how you can say they're not. Ali said, I want to make it clear we're not losing games because of Contreras behind the plate. Okay, then why, as an $87 million catcher, are you taking him out of play after 30 games? Like, it's not, those those statements just don't add up. And the communication and the messaging from the Cardinals this weekend about the entire thing was abysmal, top to bottom, because you've got Marmol saying one thing one day about he's going to be in the outfield, and then Mosellock says, no, he's not. And you've got Marmol saying, you know, we, we don't know necessarily how soon or if he's going to return to everyday catcher status. And then it seems very clear that that's what they're giving themselves back toward. Eventually it's just lack of clarity, lack of communication, lack of messaging top to bottom. And so, yeah, the Cardinals do not, there is not a world in which they come away from this looking, uh, you know, like they handled it. Well, I don't think there's any way, but it still can be a situation that they come away from it with a positive result that that can still happen. They're still eligible for that but time will tell if they're able to come up with it. Uh, I put a story up on KMOV actually just today that you guys can check out about the situation. Uh, the quick hook on Contreras to me signifies that the Cardinals just maybe they, they misunderstood, as we, we called it yesterday, uh, the impact of uh, Yadier Molina and how difficult it is, the learning curve potentially, to replacing a franchise icon, a catcher. And then I'm hopeful for tomorrow that I'll have another story up, kind of exploring the Andrew Kisner side of it. I've talked about it on the stream before. But it's one of those deals where I think if you follow the thread of the way the Cardinals handled the offseason, it only further exemplifies that it's wild to me and to, to probably you out there listening that the Cardinals have made this step and installed Andrew Kisner as a starter given how far they went and the lengths they went through to try and not let that happen in the offseason. So it's interesting. Uh, Brendan says, can't believe Wilson let the Cubs score 10 runs tonight. I know his pitch calling was terrible. It's ridiculous. Taylor says it's nice to see a great beer snake uh, bring bitter rivals together this evening. That is nice. That is nice and super sanitary as well, obviously, right? Uh, Ryan says, forget who it was, but it was one of the 101 ESPN guys was swearing up and down. We'd see Wilson catching in Wayneo's next start. I told you all that last night. That, and again, I'm not guaranteeing it, but I predicted it last night and I said, Based on what Wayno has said, he said he would welcome Wilson catching him, and it would make sense, too, right, to have him ease in in that way because Adam Wainwright calls his own game via pitch and So you can follow the leader if you're Wilson Contreras, and he's been spending a lot of time in the dugout next to Ollie, next to Dusty Blake during games, talking through situations of what the Cardinals do as a, as a pitching staff. It's like he's interning to be the catcher for the few days that he's done it. Will they want to end that internship abruptly and have him jump right back into the fire, learn on the job, so to speak, in Wainwright's next outing? uh, Which, again, he pitched on Saturday, so I guess that would be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, went tomorrow, right? It would be Adam Wainwright. uh, Unless they've got a day off before the Boston series, I guess I I should look at the schedule. But Wainwright's coming up. I would have Wilson behind the plate for that game. It doesn't surprise me that somebody on 101 might have been making that same claim because it makes a lot of sense, actually, when you consider that would be a nice way to ease him in for a guy, he doesn't have to call the pitches. He just has to connect the dots and maybe build that muscle memory of, hey, this is the style of pitch sequencing that we like to do in St. Louis. This is what guys prefer, and Wainwright's been doing it for longer than anybody. And so I think that is one that would make a lot of sense. Um, we'll see what Wainwright does in terms of, you know, this obviously wasn't something that he did, I don't think, last year calling his own games Uh, Yadier Molina would have done that. I would, I would presume, but they did start to use the pitch comm. And so they might've tinkered with that toward the end of the season. I don't know the full scope of that, uh, bad reporting by me, but I just, I don't know it. And so I'll tell you when I don't know something, but my whole thing is always going to be, it won't keep me from talking about it because y'all want to know about it. And so if we don't know as a group, I'm sure we'll be able to find it out together. So, uh, I don't mind kind of talking through some things that I don't claim to be an expert in. And if you hate that, I'm sorry, but that's kind of my style. Uh, continuing through the comment section here, uh, go ahead and subscribe. And then in 60 seconds, you will be able to join the comments as well. Ryan says, hello, three times. Brent asks what will happen when O'Neal returns and what will it take to get Walker back up? I think Walker back up will happen. A combination of him performing at Memphis, the way they want him to lift the ball, get the launch angle, have that consistency, uh, combined with opportunity potentially in the major league outfield. And right now there's plenty of that. Alec Burleson has not played much at all recently, so he's sort of faded into a bench role, uh, and I think that is fine. They don't have to send him down in that regard, Um, but you look at the guys that are playing in the outfield, the Contreras thing is maybe a deterrent to Walker coming back up sooner than later just because you've got to have that DH spot open for a Nolan Gorman and for some of the other guys that want days off and things of that nature. I think before you can then devote a daily outfield spot to Jordan Walker, so I think it's going to be a little while, but the O'Neill stuff is part of that, right? Like O'Neill is is a right-handed hitter as well, the same as Jordan Walker is. Now, O'Neill is a much better defender in the outfield, especially when you put him in left field where he belongs. And so that could be a way that he finds claim into the lineup. But if Brandon Donovan's going to get some opportunities, it could come in the outfield, especially while this Contreras situation is ongoing. Uh, he wasn't in the lineup tonight against the lefty, which stands to reason neither was, uh, was Burleson and... Uh, uh, Nolan Gorman. I was trying to think of, like, I know there's three lefties. L- Lars Newtbar was the only lefty in the lineup, and he can h- handle himself against either-handed pitching, and he did at least draw a walk tonight. I didn't I didn't see Newt's full line score. He had a base knock as well. That dude's just a ball player, man. The Cardinals were right not to trade him for Frankie Montas two years ago, and the Cardinals were right not to trade him for Sean Murphy this offseason. I, I, the A's wanted him for good reason. Everybody in baseball did. The, the Toronto Blue Jays wanted him as well if it would have been a Danny Jansen and they were going to hold tight to Alejandro Kirk as well. Uh, but, the, I mean, the Cardinals were right to hang on to Newt Bar. But, no, it's the outfield's complicated. Like, I like the way things are going kind of right now. Even though you get an offer tonight from Dylan Carlson, he's the best defensive center fielder they have. And so I think there is value to that. And there's value to just kind of letting him run and play for the time being. 625 is his OPS. It's higher than O'Neal this year. Right, and he's he's playing a more valuable position and playing it better than O'Neill ever did in center field. So to me, I'm going to defer to Carlson over O'Neill in most cases, but if O'Neill looks like he's about to go on a stretch where he gets hot, you've got to play him because he does have that in his bat. Now, another guy who has that in his bat and is showing it right now is Paul DeYoung, and he actually does impact this outfield situation, even though you might not think he does because he's a shortstop. Uh, it, it does have some, some trickle-down effect when he's in the lineup at shortstop that means Tommy Edmonds either not playing or he's playing at second base, which means that Nolan Gorman needs to DH or he's not playing because right now Contreras is the DH. But if you don't have uh, either one of those guys in there, maybe it's Donovan, but otherwise Donovan's probably going to have to go to left field against right-handed pitching. It all connects. It's one big, happy, complicated organism right now. And so the short answer, after I gave you the long one, Brent, is that O'Neill will return, and I don't think he slides into immediate playing time unless – Carlson falls off so far offensively that they go back to the well and uh, they'll probably put Newt Bar in center and then they'll go with O'Neal in left field. But again, while Contreras is DHing, it makes it a, a million times more difficult to fit everybody in there that the Cardinals believe probably need to play. So that is a tricky one. Uh, Taylor chimes in and says Zuniga is better, greater, greater sign James Nail. Nail is just a, um, to me, probably just a short-term investment right now. I don't know if Zuniga will be the guy that comes back up. I, they're going to continue to, I think, churn through the bullpen because they kind of have to in a lot of ways. Um, they've just—it's—I'm telling you—it's going to continue to catch, catch up to the Cardinals uh, the way they have to use all these guys in in these situations. Uh, I did go ahead and Google it. They do have the off day tomorrow, so that helps. Guys like Hillsley, uh, Jordan Hicks should all be available for Friday. Hennessy, uh, Cabrera as well, and even the guys that pitched yesterday—they should have all hands on deck. But again, you'd like to be able to give guys an extra day here and there compared to what it seems like the Cardinals are going to have to continue to do if they can't get consistency from the rotation. Would be a good day. I I guess it's Wayno on Friday unless I'm forgetting something. Would be a good day for him to go seven, right? Uh, Double Dabble says, good to see some small ball at the outset tonight. Tommy bunted over Kisner. Contreras knocked him in. Good things happen when you move runners. So here's what I'll say. I tweeted this out. You might have seen it. The Cardinals clearly had a meeting or something about bunting, because over the last week, there have been at least three bunts in situations where you don't normally see bunts. Uh, The one tonight does end up working, kind of. Initially, I said it worked like a charm on Twitter. I want to explain why, actually, it wasn't still necessarily the best play. And I get that this is a little bit too into the weeds. If you score a run, you're happy about it. But that ballpark, wind blowing out, what's the final score of this game again? All right, 10-4. to I understand the way the Cardinals were going about it because they thought Justin Steele is going to be a hard guy to get to. He's got a 1-5 ERA this season. We're going to try to sell out to get a run in this inning. But you had the top of the lineup up. You had Tommy Edman, lefty killer, taking on a lefty, and basically you take the bat out of his hands in favor of a bunt. Now, it was kind of a pseudo hit where you think maybe you can reach base and, and, and have a rally going, but if not, you advance Andrew Kisner and have two shots at it with Goldschmidt and Contreras to score that run with a base hit up the middle. Goldie strikes out, Contreras comes through, everybody's happy, it looks like it worked out. But later on in that inning, I do believe that Nolan Arenado walked, if I'm not mistaken. want to go back and make sure I'm understanding this proper. It was, uh, what was this, the third inning? Yeah, top of the third. Contreras gets the base hit and you score. Kiz then walks, and you've got Carlson coming up now with two outs instead of with one out, if maybe Tommy Edmond gets the job done. You see what I'm saying? They needed maybe to consider that multi-run innings were going to be necessary to win this game. At the time, I understand why they didn't think that way. They thought, we've got Jordan Montgomery on the mound. He's our best starter. Let's get him a run. It's been hard to find him any run support, and if we can get up 2-0, that might be all we need. But I think that's a that's wishful thinking in Wrigley Field on a night where the wind is blowing out to left. And that is the situation tonight. And you end up seeing lots of home runs hit by the Cubs. Uh, you don't expect the three walks from Montgomery. So, again, I'm not I'm not trying to kill Ollie Marmol Marmel for that decision. And, again, Double Dabble liked to see it. Liked to see bunting over Kisner to put him in scoring position. You get yourself two shots at one run. But what you do do, I said do, I know. But what you do is effectively take yourself out of a better chance at a multi-run inning which I think could have been to the Cardinals' benefit to have one of those tonight. Now, if Tommy grounds into a double play, which is rare because he's got speed, but if he ends up not getting the the job done and then you get that Contreras hit and it doesn't turn into anything because the walk to, to Nolan just loads the bases and you still haven't scored, and then you get the Dylan ground out, right, everybody's going, man, that was a missed opportunity to put some runs on the board or at least get a run. And so I understand why the Cardinals did it. The two other times this week when they bunted were, that I've seen were with nobody on base, and they were both out at first. That's ridiculous. One of them was with two outs. It's it's asinine to me. It, it the bunt is not the play that everybody thinks it is. Um, I respect y'all for if you like the bunt, that's great. I don't like it. I was okay with it because this one at least moved over a runner, and they thought we've got our ace, our you know our purported ace on the mound. We're going to try to win this game two to one tonight. I just think that was a misapplication of the ballpark you were playing in and the wind conditions of the night. You knew that it was going to be a classic Wrigley game if you just checked the flags. So that's why I didn't love it. Even after they scored, I was kind of like, that's great. It worked like a charm. I get it. But once once the Cubs start walking and, and Homer in against Montgomery, you go, well, damn, I maybe would have liked to have had Tommy Edmond facing a lefty to have a chance to put up a crooked number there. So double dabble, that's honestly my favorite comment of the night that anybody's had. Um, because we do have maybe a bit of a a difference of opinion on it, but that is the kind of baseball talk that's really fun because I think there's merit to both sides in some ways, and uh, you you gave me a chance there to kind of pontificate on that, so I appreciate you. Uh, let's get those likes up to 30, gang. We're almost at 30 likes. I know it's a little bit of a lighter crowd tonight. After a 10-4 loss, I kind of figured it would be, but if you haven't been able to get a comment in because you're you're blocked and you can't figure it out, Subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's right there on your page, the subscribe button. And then within 60 seconds, just one minute, you'll be able to uh, join the chat with everybody else. Uh, Ryan C. mentions that Zuniga never should have been sent down. And thank you, whoever liked number 30. I appreciate you. Uh, and I understand that because, he, like I said, he had pitched well, and I was a little bit surprised to see when Wayno came up, it was Zuniga that went down and not James Nail. Maybe they were thinking needed to have the innings coverage behind Wainwright in case he didn't get very deep into his outing and James Nail had been a starter at Memphis a lot of the season, so he's maybe a little more built up. That's the only thing I could think um, because I did think Zuniga looked good. But uh, Ryan C mentions as well, with our pitching, you need at least eight runs to have a 45% chance of winning. I don't know if the math checks out on that, but I understand generally what you're saying there, Ryan. Uh, The pitching's been bad, and so that's why I've talked about Cardinals need to – Basically figure five or six runs a night is what you need to set as your target. Uh, Because I think this rotation with a good night from the bullpen can generally keep the other team to four or fewer. Um, But sometimes they're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, tonight you give up 10, you're going to lose regardless if that's the case. But I do believe that this offense, the onus is kind of on them to get to five as maybe the magic number. And anything beyond that could be a bonus. Is it a fair ask? Hell no. But I think it's what this team might need to climb out of the hole that they're in. Jeremy says, Wilson Contreras is the problem. Dude can't call games while well. sitting on the bench. Despicable. Um, I was missing the sarcasm when I started reading that. And then I understood where Jeremy was coming from. I, yeah. It, the jokes write themselves at this point, Cardinals fans. And you guys are very well within your right to make them. Because the Cardinals have bungled this situation. And to Contreras' credit, he's been able to to handle it like a good teammate. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what time time brings of that situation. Berg calls, will the real Drew Verhagen please stand up and stay up? You like my little shady uh, impression I went into briefly? I begin to think that he can be effective, and then he reverts back to 2022 Verhagen for a few games. Yeah, it's been really a frustrating up and down. I thought health was his issue last year. He talked about that at winter warm-up, and I thought, oh, we're going to see a different Verhagen, because when I got to spring, I could see it a little bit that I liked the way he looked. And I just, I attached myself to him. I, I I put the Brendan Schaefer seal of approval on him, the same as I've done for Dylan Carlson in recent weeks, um, the same as I've kind of done with Andrew Kisner, and he's been able to, to do do me proud on some of those uh, big hits lately. But, yeah, Drover season is maybe on a hiatus right now. Uh, didn't look good tonight. Ryan said, been preaching about Jack's bad attitude for years, but very few have listened or agreed. Um, I mean, you know, I... I don't really i don't know if, if people have have agreed or not agreed i can't speak to that um but when he is pitching poorly and when he's frustrated you know about it that is jack flaherty's personality that can work to his benefit because he's always driven to be better right you can spin that any way you want uh but certainly last night he was frustrated the team had won a game and he was still frustrated that you can kind of see that from him sometimes isn't it? it wasn't surprising i predicted to y'all that it was going to happen i just didn't think it would be to that extent but He had one question that he didn't appreciate. So Ryan C. Jack signed an autograph for me a few weeks ago and screamed at a kid as he was signing it. Well, I don't want to linger on that anymore because I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I wasn't there for it. And that is not fair to Jack's character if it didn't happen. But uh, Ryan C. sharing some stories there in the chat. Um, Caleb says the thing that's frustrating to him is it seems like the Cardinals don't see the value of an ace. They see more value in the middle of the rotation guy that may outperform their AAV. Um, And that's maybe a pretty good way to put it, Caleb, because what does an ace cost you? It costs you a lot in dollars or in talent. And so their way has been to build a fantastic defense. One of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the league year over year, especially on the infield. You've got Gold Glovers at the corners. You've got Gold Glove caliber players up the middle. Donovan, when he plays second, is a Gold Glover. Edmund, the same thing. Uh, Paul DeYoung has finished in the finalist chair for a Gold Glove at shortstop in his career. You've got really good defenders. The problem is that you can't rely upon it the way you used to because of the shift ban. I think it has more of an impact than people realize. Um, It just makes sense. If you take away the thing that the Cardinals had used to be their competitive edge and advantage over the league, and you minimize that, you're going to pitch worse. I don't think that is a surprise at all, and so the Cardinals are finding that out, along with all the other things that are happening that are causing it right now. Jeremy asked, does Shane Bieber or Eduardo Rodriguez really fix this rotation? One man will not fix a rotation, but they do need an ace. They do need one. Uh, Greg says, would it say it's time to put Montgomery, and then, uh, Greg, you... uh, you cut off there. Greg, I'll find you. Would say it's time to put any pitchers who aren't under contract for 2024 on the block. But what will it get them? Well, Montgomery, you know, didn't help his value tonight. But I think teams will understand that he's a, a workhorse when he's right. And so I think at the end of the day, if you get into July and it's a situation where you're not contending, yeah, Montgomery would be somebody the Cardinals would trade. Flaherty is a different story. He's got a 6180 RA. What are you going to get for that? It's going to be teams going salivating at the potential of trying to fix Jack Flaherty because they know the potential is there. But I don't think you're going to get anything via trade, anything of note. So this is a bad time for the Cardinals to be struggling the way they're struggling and have it be the guys that they could conceivably trade away that are doing uh, the bulk of the struggling because those guys on expiring starting pitching contracts are, uh, they're not doing anything to help their value right now. Alexi, there's no way anyone can defend Moselak. He created this pitching. It's trash, and it never was Wilson's fault. Thanks for chiming in, Alexi. Um, yeah, Moseley has to wear the pitching situation. I'll go back to winter warm up, folks. I've I've uttered this quote, repeated it from Mo a number of times on the stream, on the channel, on Spotify, b shaped Daily, and the like. What he said was, "We didn't really go after. We didn't pursue the starting shortstop market yet. The guys like Correa and, and Bogarts, etc." We didn't really go into that market or the starting or the high-end starting pitching market. We didn't delve into that this offseason. There were a lot of rumors that we did, but we didn't do it. Candidly, he said, we didn't really delve into those markets. Now, we could look back on that, and he, I'm paraphrasing the quote, but he said, we could look back on that in six months as a strategic mistake from our front office, but our hope is that we won't view it that way and that we'll, we'll, we will have had enough to get us through. That's our hope. Yeah, wishful thinking. I think the Cardinals needed to address the pitching. But it's also not as simple. Like, this is the situation they're in. Fans say, well, you should have traded that outfield glut for a legit starter. Who would you have wanted to trade? Tyler O'Neill? Yeah, them too. I mean, I'm being honest with you. They they didn't want to trade Lars Nupar, and that's who other teams wanted. You could have traded probably Lars Nupar to get Pablo Lopez. Is Pablo Lopez your, an ace? I don't know. He's a good pitcher, better than anything they have. But then you lose Lars Nupar, and that's a guy that you actually want in your outfield. And they didn't want to spend money on a Carlos Rodon, and maybe rightfully so. Now he's hurt. They'd be getting no production out of him, too. And they'd be spending $170 million to do it, to outbid the Yankees. So, like, I'm going to acknowledge both sides of this, and you may not love to hear that. But, yes, Moselak needed to address the pitching in the offseason. No, he didn't find an effective way to do it. Like, I thought you trade Dakota Hudson to the Reds or to the Pirates or to the you know the Royals. I thought Hudson would have been a perfect Royal. You trade him to a team that's not expecting to contend. You trade him for a a, a prospect or a non-prospect that's not even on the 40-man so that you don't have to cloud yourself with that, but you get a, a young lotto ticket and let those guys see if they can't you know, salvage the career of a guy who's otherwise going to be in Memphis for the Cardinals. I thought they should have done that with Woodford as well. Now they ended up meeting Jake Woodford after he had a good spring, and so, you know, but I thought the best thing for both of those pitchers and honestly for the Cardinals would have been to clear those guys out for non-40-man prospects. And it doesn't have to, I'm not talking about top prospects. I know what those guys are and so did other teams. I thought it would have made sense to just clear the glut. Don't worry a ton about what you get in return. Just get something. A young player that doesn't have to go rule five for a while. A pitcher if you can get one. But do that kind of move and then be willing to make a big bold trade or a free agent signing for a legit starter. One of the short-term guys like a Verlander or a Scherzer, those might have made sense. Um, DeGrom, you know, the injury history of DeGrom, it just wasn't going to happen, and he's injured every other start. He's getting pulled with a no-hitter going. Like, it happens multiple times a year for Jacob DeGrom. So, like, Mo needed to have done more, but at the same time, the moves that were out there, I think, would have been painful. And so, you know, they get paralyzed by indecision a little bit at times. But I also think there's some some value to patience. But the bottom line is it's not my job to get it right. It's his. And so I can sit on the sideline and critique and say, ah, they should have done this, should have done that. I try as best as I can to be fair and recognize the, that it's a difficult job that Moselec has. But you're head of the Cardinals. There's a tradition and a legacy on the line here. It's their jobs, the front office's job, and, and Mo leads it at the end of the day to make it happen. And they didn't this offseason. And they're kind of paying the price for it right now. Uh TJ says cards were fortunate to get two of these games. Ton of traffic on the base pass for the Cubs, and it's it's hard hit balls that found STL's gloves last night. Super lucky, TJ, was Jack Larry. I mean, I can't even I, I didn't want to like rip him that hard and, and go into it about how lucky he was, but he was extremely lucky. The double plays I'll give him credit for. The fact that Seiya Suzuki didn't grand slam against him to end that fifth inning was just pure luck because his location was off on that pitch. Suzuki, we just got under it a little teensy bit, and it ended up going to the warning track instead of over the fence for a four-run homer, which is also known as a grand slam. I don't know why I said it that way either. So, TJ, you make good points. The Cardinals were fortunate to, to win this series because their starting pitching didn't change. The Contreras, the Kisner, it doesn't matter. Their starting pitching had the identical problems in this series as it has all year, and I would make a case that it was almost worse because you just got not even one efficient outing for many of your starters. And if Jack Flaherty has one different result go against him that he got the good fortune of, kind of, he's had bad luck. The Cardinals have had bad luck in the past. They had good luck on Monday and Tuesday this week. Flaherty was the recipient of it. And if you have one of those plays go differently against him, we're looking at this series completely differently, potentially. Uh, Lexi, back into it, says, how about this? Sign a lockdown ace and go away from mediocre pitching. Sick of the trash they throw I mean, listen, I get it, but... That's going to cost money, or it's going to cost talent. And the Cardinals are reluctant to pay either. Um, they're still chasing the ghost of Sandy Alcantara, and they're going to be for a while. Ryan wants to sign Dylan Cease. Here's the problem, Ryan say You can't sign Dylan Cease. He's under team control for three more years. This year and two more, I believe. So you're not going to sign him. you got to trade for him. And that's going to cost you a Mason Wynn or a Walker or a Graceffo or two of the three. It's tough, man. It's tough in these streets to find those guys. That's why you gotta develop them. And the Cardinals have failed. They have not been able to do it. They just haven't. Look at their look at their starting pitchers that have come up through the system in recent years. This is not a I don't have like a a biting commentary on their development style. We could go into that. But it's just the fact of the matter is they have not developed the starting pitching within the organization. And I think there is maybe some merit to it that you look at. All right, what's their style? It's pitch to contact, get to the big leagues quick, and then pitch to contact. Your defense will do it for you. And when that goes away, the house of cards can crumble. No pun intended. And you're kind of seeing some struggle with that right now. j Rowe says, who are the growing trade pieces? Well, I'll tell you here in a minute. O'Neill, Flaherty, Edmund, Yepes, Libertor. We have a lot of guys, but uh, we'd have to give up a lot. Curious for your thoughts. JRO, I wouldn't trade Libertor. I would hope that I can develop him. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm almost I'm almost there to development. Uh, he's looked good in Triple A. Michael McGreevy has looked good in Triple uh, A. has had a solid start to the season. You got to hope that those guys could join your 20. Because like that's the thing that changes this organization, flips it on its head, and, and turns it into a winner again, is those young prospects coming through and getting to the big leagues and being dudes, and just being dudes. We haven't seen it in a while from a Cardinals, uh, a Cardinals uh, pitching prospect. Like Zach Thompson, he's going to be in the rotation in Memphis. I think that's good. I think that's the Cardinals realizing this dude throws 100. What if he started and was good? Holy bleep, we'd have something, right? Like they have tried so hard to just get guys to the big leagues and have them in the bullpen. It doesn't matter. We need arms. We need help. The Zach Thompson move maybe signals a shift where it step back, What would life be like if the the first-round pick that we took ends up being an ace of the rotation or a number two? What would that be like? We wouldn't have to scramble for starting pitching. Like, they got to start developing these dudes. So I would say remember the trade that sent Ozuna out. Do you want to send the next Alcantara and the next Zach Gallen for Dylan Cease? You might. Dylan Cease is more of a proven commodity, but I don't think it's a long-term sustainable model I think the Cardinals, and it doesn't feel great to say, because the Cardinals need to win now. They've got Arenado, They've got goalie, They're in their primes. Supposed to be, in Arenado's case. I still believe he'll get it back. But you see where I'm coming from. They've got to figure out a way to win now and to also not mortgage the next crop of pitching prospects that is starting to gain a little bit of cachet. I mean, I don't know nationally where these guys are ranked, but I like what I'm seeing from McGreevy in Memphis. I like Graceffo. Right, like these are guys that you you can get excited about. Libertor has has turned things around compared to how he looked last year. Former first round pick, they might just need to lean on those kids, and it would be kind of miraculous for two of the three or four of them to turn into to frontline starters. But it's kind of what they need, and they they need it sooner than later. Um, but trade pieces like O'Neill is not valuable. Flaherty is not valuable right now. Uh, Flaherty. It'll only take a couple starts if he really locks it in. He'll have value with the deadline to a starving rotation uh, of a contender. But for now, it's hard to find the value. Edmund would have value. I hate to trade Tommy Edmund. He's a winning ball player. I really would, wouldn't would like to see that from the Cardinals. But I understand it. It's gonna There's going to be a trade that happens this summer, potentially, if the Cardinals don't completely fade out of it, and maybe even if they do. But there's going to be a trade that people are going to go, that stings to see that guy's not a Cardinal anymore. Uh, Yepez is definitely a trade piece. I just don't know how much value he has. Um, but he should be, honestly, in an organization where he can go rake and be a DH because he's a good hitter. I think if he played every day, he'd be a good hitter. Um, but he doesn't have that chance in St. Louis. That being said, though, the Cardinals have to get value for anybody they trade. Don't just trade him to do that guy a solid. Trade a guy because you're going to get value. Reorient the roster effectively. Nick says Flaherty's going to have to pitch like a Cy Young winner the rest of the year, or the art of pitching jokes will never end. It's a haughty statement from a guy with a 6'180 RA. I ain't going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. That's a, that's exactly the way I took it too. O'Neill might be worth a bag of seeds and some gum. Uh, he's just yeah, he's 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 not healthy consistently, and he's not performing. So you're not getting you're not getting a starter for, like a starting pitcher that you like for Tyler O'Neill. Not right now. I don't know. He's got to perform first. Michael says he'll make a bet. The 23 Cardinals will lose more games in which they score four or more runs than any other team in MLB. Interesting. I don't know if that's something they track. Um, if uh, if if StatCast can get me the quick data on that, but I'd love to know at the end of the season what happens. So, Michael Allen, I'm putting you on that. You're on the case. DM me at for 12 after the season. Let me know if you win your bet. Uh, Max Fried, Kyle Wright, both out for two months. Yep, the Braves are hurting, but they've got the next Spencer Strider. I'm sure he's on the way. They do it every year. They're amazing. They develop pitching. They develop pitching in ways the Cardinals have not in recent years. Bobby, without pitching, we ain't going nowhere. I agree with you, Bobby. Thanks for joining, Bobby. Uh, subscribe to the channel, guys, and you'll be able to comment, too, into the chat. I'll read it. promise you. Uh, what's bigger, Flaherty's ego or the Cardinals' deficit in the Central? Well, it's got to be the Cardinals' deficit. You know, Flaherty thinks highly of himself, but I think that's a way that he's able to motivate himself to be great. He expects greatness from himself. Right now he's not been great, and he's going to work to fix it. But that deficit is still no joke. But the Pirates keep losing. I think they've lost 9 of 10. Don't even look at them. It's the Brewers and the Cardinals. Those are the two teams that have a chance to win this division. Uh, Maybe the Cubs. They'd have to really get hot, get some young pitching to continue to do well for him. have Stroman keep it up. You know, all of those things, uh, have steel. keep it up. I'm thinking it's a race between the Cardinals and Brewers, but the Cardinals got to get, they got to kick their self into gear, no doubt. Uh, Jack would get roasted alive if he pitched for the Yanks or the Dodgers. Uh, STL Media is far nicer. That's the thing. Like, I don't think STL Media is soft. You guys, you might. I'm part of it, so I, you know, I'm biased, obviously. But I feel like STL Media strives to be respectful in their questioning, and you may not get that in every market. And I and I also can't say that I know that for sure because I've never been in the New York media to like do a season there, but it's just a different situation. It's just different, is all I can say. And I feel like STL Media does a great job. A lot of friends and colleagues of mine. I think by and large, it's it's a it's a solid group, man. And I feel like I'm not just like blowing my own horn. I'm I'm one of the minor guys in this whole ecosystem um, compared to a lot of those that like. I go to all the games that I can, the home games, but I don't travel on the road with my son and everything going on, uh, my radio show at home. Like, I'm a writer, but I also do some other things, and I'm not on the 162-game beat. The people that are, they do a great job, and uh, Cardinals fans are lucky to have all of them, in my opinion. Um, But you're right. Like, Flaherty doesn't realize, I think, the extent to which you can kind of get away with some things because, I, you know... And I feel like people hold them accountable. I do, but there are times where you know you, you want to maintain a relationship and make sure that uh, you're you know you, you you give some guys grace, right? I think that's more more it than anything. Have grace for the human element of this. That yeah, guys going through it. I'm not gonna go out of my way to rip him just because he gave me an answer or gave me a tone or whatever. Like, and again, it's not even me. I'm talking about. I'm just saying generally. That's maybe the way a lot of people would look at it, and I can understand that, um, because it's it's nice to have some grace for somebody who's in a in a pressurized position. That's just human nature. It's it, it feels it feels like the right thing to be. But there are times where, like last night, all I do is send a tweet. I say, listen, I think it's a reality check that, listen, Jack. I mean, it's not like these questions are being asked for the health of Jim Hayes. It's not like he's trying to play gotcha or Derek is trying to play gotcha. I think it's because the fans would like to know. And it's the job of the different reporters, whether they're writers or talkers or whatever TV people to, to give that info to the fans. And it's, it's, it's more innocent than it feels like it feels like a gotcha moment because you're being asked questions after a bad start, but the Cardinals won the game. Like, I I just, I just feel like it, it could be, it could go a different direction if, if you wanted it to. Um, But I don't know what would happen. I mean, Jack, Very well could be in another market next year, and we can kind of pay attention to the way that goes. He is a free agent, so he may not be here next year. Another drink. uh, Subscribe to the channel, guys. Appreciate it. I hope that we get to 600 tonight. That would make me happy. If not, we'll do it tomorrow. No big deal. Uh, Bird Call says, I've never seen a collection of players, manager, front office more arrogant and surly than this team. I think it only feels that way because of the losses. I think there's a lot of good folks that, that... that run this team and manage this team and play for this team but i mean if if your work environment was such that you were a failure 66% of the time and every day you had to live with that again like that's kind of where the cardinals win percentage is right now right like 33 35% uh it, it would be tough it would definitely be tough and so they they're going to seem a little surly right now and i get it to some extent but it is what it is Alexi mentions, imagine if he had to face that media. Again, a lot of people speculate Jack will go to to L.A. next year, so we'll see. Maybe it'll happen. Laborer, 88. Flaherty would have a little more room to be testy with reporters if his performance was a lot better than it it has been. That's my other thing. When you say something like you don't understand the art of pitching, you're very dismissive to somebody who, again, they might have a better idea of the way things are than they're going to let on because they're not going to assume to know the answer. They're going to ask it to you because they're going to give you that respect. You're the expert. Admittedly, Jack Flaherty, I, I, this might sound crazy because you're like, well, his ERA is six. That's no good. Relative to all of us, Jack Flaherty is the expert, expert, expert at the highest level of pitching. So, yeah, you, you. I presume that you do know the art of pitching better than I do, but at the same time, the the, the casual fan, the average fan, the really plugged-in fan, all of those folks might have different, varying levels of understanding as well. And you can answer the question so that they are more informed and uh, they might appreciate that from you. It's not Jack Flaherty's job to be nice to the media. I'm not saying it is. It's not even his job to to answer these questions effectively. He can say anything he wants to. He can on, Lynch it. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Or honestly, he can just kind of duck. It's harder to do on the road because you got to wait for the team bus, I guess. But at home, you know, if he wanted to, he could just be like, nah, I'm leaving. Bye. And, People could write that. They could say Jack Flaherty had a bad outing and he refused to comment. And, uh, you know, if you did it enough times, there might be a fine or there might be something depending on the MLB rules or the Cardinals' internal rules. But guys can get away with that. It happens all the time. If it's a one-off, it kind of happens all the time. But I also think it would just be one of those things that Cardinals won the game. Flaherty, you know, the box score didn't kill him. Five innings, three runs. You could go... Yeah, I know. I've, I've, now, guys, I've talked about this before. You can be a little testy. It's okay. Like, it's not. I'm not saying it's it's not allowed. Uh, his free speech, and then it's mine to comment on it, right? That's where everybody's at in this situation. But you could you could answer it with a little more understanding of, oh, it's being asked so the fans know, not because reporter X Y Z needs to show me up. That's not what it is. And in in those moments, I can imagine. Like, people don't ask me questions every day. Well, sometimes the manager did last week. But people aren't asking me questions about, hey, on that YouTube video, why'd you do it that way? I might get a little defensive too, you know? And so it's nice to have some empathy and compassion for people. But at the same time, I feel like this has been a bit of a trend. And so, you know, I, I felt like it was worth tweeting about yesterday. And now, obviously, people want to hear about it. And so I'm mentioning it. If it comes off like I'm ripping Jack Flaherty, I don't think that's what I'm doing. Um, I, I think his pitching, if anything, is, is what... He'll, he'll work to improve, and then we'll have a lot of great things to say about him um, because he's been that guy before. But the numbers right now bear it out. Six point one eighty ADRA, he knows he's got to be better. Nefarious says, is the art of pitching, walking a man, and throwing a meatball? Uh, Yeah, again, th- it's not like the media are asking that because that would be pretty disrespectful. So it's not like they're coming up to Jack and asking those kinds of questions. Uh, Seabulk saying, can we play the Oakland A's every game? Unfortunately not, but I do guess the Cardinals will get to play them eventually. I don't know when that series is, but they are bad. You better take advantage of those for sure because they're terrible. But ask their owner. They're terrible on purpose. Uh, they're trying to move to Vegas. So, Labor 88 says uh, they go to Fenway for three this weekend. Sox have won eight of 10. You want to talk about a, a nasty, really good division at AL East. It's the best division in baseball, and it's not close. Um, they've got every team basically at or above 500, and even the Red Sox, again, a team that I thought would be kind of the basement dweller in that situation. Eight of ten, which I assume Laborer is not lying to me. I haven't checked that. All right, Spencer says we got to stop swinging at the first pitch. Just two ground out, uh, two ground into double plays with runners in scoring position. Literally nothing makes me more mad. Yeah, Kisner was the was the uh, recipient of that. It was six to three. They had just put together three base hits to, to put the tying run at the plate. And then Kiz, I think, was a six four three 3 victim, 4 one of the two. That hurt. I said at the time, I was like, yeah, Cardinals just lost. <laughs> like, the Cardinals just lost because he had a chance in that inning to maybe square things up. And when you couldn't do it and the, the double play is the thing that very quickly ends a legit threat. You only have one out. You got two on. Yep, you gotta try to lift the ball. That's why they want to lift the ball these days in baseball, ladies and gentlemen. You want the ball in the air to avoid that situation. All righty. Alexi says, I gotta get better about my posture. I'm talking here for like an hour and a half. Gotta get better. All right. Alexi says so much for the cards using a DH when you have Andrew Kissner hitting eighth or ninth every game. He isn't good. Uh, I don't want to bash on Kisner. I think he's been, I mean, again, he's been better recently offensively. That double play was an unfortunate moment in tonight's game. Um, but I, he's been fine. And again, his OPS tied with Tyler O'Neill coming into tonight. Five points lower than Dylan, who plays a great center field. I get that. Um, but he's got higher OPS than Arenado. So if if it's okay for him batting fourth, which I know a lot of people say, no, it's not okay. I don't like that either. Um but yeah, if, if it's if it's fit for one, it's gotta be fit for the other. I'm not gonna rip Kiz that, that much, but I will say this like, yeah, he shouldn't be an everyday player necessarily because you paid a catcher in the offseason eighty seven million to be that. So Kiz should play about thirty to forty percent of the time when Wilson needs a break because nobody's gonna catch 150 games a year. But uh it's it's been a totally different situation now. They're they're having Kisner catch the equivalent of 150 games a year, like because of the off day, I think he can catch into the weekend and maybe you see Trace Barrera Saturday. But if the whole thing is our pitchers don't trust Contreras, then they, they're they not going to trust Trace Barrera. They don't know that guy from Adams. So Kisner is the one that they got to keep running out there. And Barrera is basically just a break glass in case of emergency kind of guy. Uh, Nick Wilson says, thinking uh, someone new to the organization can walk in and become Yachty is not only naive, it's a bit disrespectful to Yachty and his legacy. I think that's a great point, Nick. And it's one that I've tried to highlight in the last couple of days. Like, let's think logically, let's be the Cardinals and think logically. We talk all the time about how great Yachty Molina is, how much he'll be missed, all those things. Were they blowing smoke up his butt? Like what, why were they saying those things if they didn't believe them? Because the way they act this off they didn't. Either they didn't believe them or they just didn't stop to think and truly internalize what all of it meant. Like, oh, crap, this guy is irreplaceable, and now we have to replace him. Maybe it's going to be more complicated than interviewing a guy for three hours and throwing 87.5 mil in his direction and saying, go get him, Tiger. Like, they could have probably realized that it's going to take more than that. And all your pitchers go to the World Baseball Classic. And you have to work around a pitch clock for the first time. And, oh, yeah, your infielders, which was the the biggest strength that you had as an advantage uh, compared to other teams, they can't shift anymore. No wonder the Cardinals pitching is struggling, but it, it's not an excuse. Like, the Cardinals knew all of these things were coming. They knew Yachty was retiring beginning of last season. And I get it. You can't tamper with Contreras mid-year and tell him, hey, when we sign you, here's what you need to know. But I don't think they had him adequately prepared for what they expected. If he hasn't meet meeting their expectations, that's because the Cardinals didn't lay them out appropriately, in my opinion. You can't come a week into the, or a year into the, I can't talk, dude. A month into the season and say, hey, this is, this is what we expect of you. That should have already happened. And the fact that it must not have, because he's got to have this wake-up call that he's not meeting expectations. Your guess is as good as mine, Cardinals fans. Pitching problems are not on Wilson. I think that's obvious, says Caleb. However, whatever adjustment he's making ends up helping him and the pitchers it could end up being a positive in the long run, Redbirds agrees and says very true. Yeah, it, like I've said, the Cardinals have bungled it to this point. That doesn't mean it's over, and that doesn't mean it's automatically going to end up as a bad thing for the organization. This could be a blip on the radar, and they could they could come out on the other side stronger for it, but they're losing time because they've lost too many games so far, and they need to have a run come from somewhere. So that's what's tricky about it in the context of 2023. And you can say, well, at least they'll be ready for 24 and and Wilson will be good to go by then. You can't write off 2023. There was too much writing on this season, too many expectations. I'm not moving those goalposts and saying, "Eh, it's fine if they stink. No, it's not. People should be accountable to that. Uh, Steve M. claims that the Cardinals have an absentee GM, which isn't true. Um, Mike, Mike Gersh just doesn't do the job of a team uh, that has a GM without a Pobo. Gersh is a, a, a layer below the Pobo, which is Mosaic. Uh Steve, though, says that the Pobo is a wall as well. Not that I want to hear him speak, but the Contreras deal is BS. Here's the one thing I'll say. Mosaic talked to The Athletic. It was like an exclusive to say, oh, by the way, we're not putting him in the outfield. They tried to clarify their comments through The Athletic. Um, I think the Post-Dispatch had some stuff because you know, Derek tracked him down or whoever tracked him down and was able to, I think it was Derek, he had said on Twitter that he spoke to Mosaic. But I think it's incumbent upon the Cardinals to to hold a media availability at Bush over the weekend with Mosaic. I think it's, I think it's, uh, you know, what, who am I to say? But I think they should have made him available. He should have made himself available. Um, but you, you want to control the narrative maybe to the the, the, the private conversations that's fine. It's just a little bit behind the scenes of the way it works sometimes. Um, has gotta talk every day pre-game. Mo does not. And so instead of talking publicly, uh, in, in like a group setting, he he, you know, got with the athletic, got with the post dispatch. Um, and I can also understand that side of it. Like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna give Mo some favorability to this, I would say there were a lot of words flying around and being parsed and to put yourself in a group setting when you may not, you may be ill prepared to answer all the questions because there are things about this that the Cardinals want to keep secret and not divulge. You might let too much out, and then suddenly it's a bigger s storm than it was. And so maybe that's why Mo does it that way. I can look at it from the PR side and say that's Mo doing good PR to try and minimize the situation and and and, and put out a fire. I can, from the media side, can say, huh eh, it's kind of lame of him that he didn't make himself available to everybody. Um, but that's fine. It is what it is. Um, but I hear you, Steve. You wanted to hear from him. You wanted to be able to see from him. The writers, there were a couple, the athletic, the post. They got to talk with Mo. And granted, they reached out to him to do so. I didn't reach out to Mo. Um, so maybe if I had, I would have gotten some some quotes. But Cardinals fans want to see it on TV, right? They want to see it on the Valley pregame show. Uh, they want to see that availability. And they they didn't because Mo didn't have that over the weekend. So, that may have been the misstep. I think I was thinking about it from a writer perspective, and it's like, well, the writers, you know, some of them still got that info out, and they did good digging and got to Mo, and uh, he was willing to talk to them, and so that's good. I, Admittedly, I was out of town on a, on a, tr- on a weekend trip that had been planned for a long, long time for uh, my, 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 my best buddy's uh, 30th birthday, and so I wasn't in work mode anyway, and so I didn't, you know, I didn't take those steps. Perhaps I should have. Maybe I would have gotten something. Maybe not. Um, but I do think there's validity to it when you go, well, the fans don't, I mean, the writers, that's great. They'd have to read the story and maybe they don't subscribe to the post or the athletic. And so they couldn't have said it, seen it anyway. Um, my K of is stories, no subscription required. Just saying. Um, but all that being said, like it's one of those where if he would have gone on TV, that would have helped people. But again, he may have misspoke and that could have made it even worse. Who knows? Friday, the Sox are scheduled to start a pitcher who has not played since uh, 2021. since Laborer 88. I haven't seen that, but uh, we'll see what ends up happening there. Michael says, run the numbers on how many first pitch strikes the Birds let go last fall. Goldie started getting K'd a lot because he got behind in counts. Uh, yeah, I've noticed that at times when the Cardinals aren't at their best, they're taking those first pitch strikes, and it can end up uh, being the best pitch they'll see in the at-bat, and they might have wished they had swung at him. Uh, Saturday, Cardinals should see Chris Sale, who's won the last two starts. Walking one and striking out fifteen. Yeah, Chris Sale has really uh has really been able to get the job job going lately. All right, let's see here. Steve says, DeWitt and Mo, if you're telling us you paid 87 mil to a guy and didn't understand the skill set, more proof positive that you're not gonna not gonna be fit to allocate those resources going forward. Yeah. I think it I think if they end up making him a DH full-time like Buster only said, uh, the rival execs were saying. Don't pay attention to rival execs. They have uh, an agenda when they give that to Buster only." But if that ends up happening, that's a it's a blight on the organization and the people making decisions. Rhino says, okay, Shafe, never had a huge issue with Mo, but now I feel like he seriously needs to address the starting pitching problem. Wilson isn't the problem. Offense will always come and go. A legit number one is needed. Respect that, Rhino. I think you're right, man. It's just hard to come up with. Who are they going to get and what are they going to pay for it? Uh, Ryan still Ryan C still thinks Mo is the problem. Got a two year extension after losing eleven straight opportunities at a World Series. That's one way to look at it. Listen, the extension is through twenty twenty five and it is a transition extension. Hear me when I tell you, Moseleylock will not be the Pobo in the current form after twenty twenty five, and it may be before that that the transition is made. It may be to begin the twenty five season. It may be to begin the twenty four season. Maybe after the 23 season. I'm Just be aware that that is going on. It's I'm not just pulling that from thin air. He's, he basically alluded to it in the presser back in February. So if you want Mo to go, I have good news, I guess. He's going to go, or he's going to at least kind of lessen his responsibilities as time goes on. But he's also trying to fix the legacy of, I've had a lot of good years here. Winning years, never had a losing year in St. Louis. Uh, would, would sure like to continue to keep that to keep that afloat, whether he's staying or going, and how soon it happens. So I get that you're worried about what Mo's done. I think there have been some moves you can scrutinize, and certainly we, we could have known the pitching was going to struggle this year. Labor says Kluber would be Sunday. We're, we're kind of slowly going through the Red Sox rotation. Yeah, I've got Kluber on a fantasy team. He's been solid, um, but the Cardinals can hit him at this stage in his career. Taylor worries that the misplaced pitching philosophy is existent beyond the MLB rotation, and the organizational depth will have similar problems: missing bats and generating strikeouts. The Cardinals have admitted that they were behind the curve in terms of these these aspects, and uh, they need to modernize their approach. and They've been they've been putting in the work in the lower levels to do that. It's going to be one of those things that time will tell whether or not those those gains have been made. You know, Ryan C adds that MLB pardon me, NBA GM and presidents get fired one year after winning the title. The Cardinals don't do it that way. Bill DeWitt has a good relationship with Mozilla. He's had a lot of winning seasons, um, never had a losing season as the GM or the Pobo. And so, you know, he's built up that equity. Right now, it is incumbent upon him to try and fix it, though. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Steve says it was never Moselock having that success. It was the people around him. I respectfully, you don't know that, though. You don't know what decisions were Mo and what decisions were not, respectfully. And it would take a long time to parse through all that, and it would be reporting that I haven't done, so I I couldn't tell you for sure what it is or isn't. It's fun to talk about, though. Them taking first strikes has never bothered. Laborer 8080 says, I'd rather have them taking a measured at bat than uh, swinging first pitch too much. Yeah, I mean, we don't like it when a guy swings at a, a borderline strike. It was probably going to be called a strike, but you weren't able to do damage on it, and so you ground out weakly to the left side. Nobody likes to see that on the first pitch of an A-B, and so you kind of take it both ways. Uh, Brent is like Bernie's reaction to the uh, situation. Um, that's great. Uh, Steve says, once all the minds who were here during the prime years were gone, so was the success. Results speak for themselves. Since 2015, this is Mo's analytical roster now from top to bottom. Again, it always really has been Moe's, um, but there, there it takes a it takes a village and it takes a, a deep front office to succeed. And there have been a lot of talented guys in that front office that have left. I I don't deny that at all. All the stuff about yadi Wilson and losing Maddox um, was a major hollow. And the Rangers' rotation is good, even with the injuries they've had. Yeah, Mike Maddox is over there for sure. Um. Ryan C. says that Maddox left the Cardinals mid-rotation, the mid-pitching staff, for a real ace. Well, they didn't have DeGrom, but then they signed him. So, yeah, I said doo-doo. I remember it. (laughs) I'm glad that made you laugh. Bird Calls says, I guess the innings we don't score any runs at all didn't hurt as much as the inning we scored one because of the bunt. Uh, No, I mean, you're, you're being sarcastic there, but it's a combination of things, man. I'm just saying, that was an inning where you had runners on base and could have maybe done some damage, but you you intentionally took yourself out of the beginning by freely saying, here you go. This out is for you. I wrapped it up and put a bow on it. I don't like that. I'm not a fan of that because it does take crooked numbers to win at Wrigley field. When the wind is blowing out, does Flaherty understand pitching asked Jeremy, I think his walk rate in ERA says He doesn't even know again. That's why a comment like that is very, you know, he's going to, he's going to hear that he's going to hear and see that, which maybe he doesn't care. But fans are going to throw that back at him if he continues to struggle. Bird calls likes Yepes, yeah, but did anyone else wonder why he didn't seem to make a more valiant attempt at a ball that dropped just a couple of feet in front of him? He's just not a great defender. He made a nice catch going back in left field tonight toward the toward the wall. Um, but yeah, he just doesn't make great reads out in the outfield. Um he's a he's a much better hitter. He's made strides, he's worked hard on his defense, and he can make an athletic play here and there. But uh yeah, by and large, it's not his strength. Stuart says, I feel like it's Wilson's fault for the loss tonight for not understanding the art of pitching. Yeah, I get it. Ha ha. Taylor says, I'm an East Coaster who needs sleep. We'll catch the rest on Spotify in the morning. Thanks for the streams. Taylor, you're welcome. Make sure you subscribe on uh, Spotify. They call it follow over there. Rate and review, too. I think if you give me five stars, uh, it, well, it, what it does is it makes me feel better about myself. So please do that. But subscribe over here and uh, get a like. We might get to 40 likes on this stream tonight. You never know. Brendan, spelled correctly, says, I lost hope in the Cardinals' development of pitchers when we drafted McGreevy in the first round. Yeah, he's been good, but he should not. Uh, he doesn't appear to be a first-rounder. I don't think that's fair. I like Michael McGreevy. Um, and I think he's going to continue to add velocity and turn into a pretty good arm. Um, but I hear you. He, he was that control-command type of guy, a very Cardinal type of draft pick over the years that they hope can add velocity, get stronger, and then turn into a modern-day uh, good starting pitcher. Is he going to be an ace? Probably not, but he could be a very solid mid-rotation guy. Uh, and I don't even want to put that ceiling on him. I really like McGreevy. I think he's a good kid, and I think he's also uh, a good young pitcher. And I like what—I mean, he's rising quickly, right? To be having some success at Memphis now. Let's wait, Brendan. I, I think we wait and see what he can can come up with. He might be in St. Louis at, at some point this year. The problem is, that it's hard to figure out who they're going to replace in the rotation. I mean, there's a lot of guys struggling. Are you going to take it? That might be the thing, right? You trade Flaherty in, in July for what you can get. You trade Montgomery, and you bring those guys up, and maybe they they light a spark. I don't know. I don't think they do that unless they're out of the race, though, and hopefully the Cardinals aren't out of the race by then. Uh, Visual TDM says that Contreras should be a, a catcher, and Baker needs a DH spot. I'm going to tell you, I don't think the Cardinals are calling up Baker. Um, maybe it happens late summer, midsummer. But they, I don't get the sense that they are too high on believing that what he's doing at Memphis is sustainable when he gets called up. I just, I just think they think it's more of a mirage. Fair or not, that's that's the way it seems like the Cardinals view it, based on their action. Right? They haven't they haven't given him uh, a look yet. Ethan says you think five rookies will do that? Need to go all in on, uh, not all the way, but we're wasting Arnado and Goldie's career. No, I don't think five rookie rotation guys are going to fix everything. But I'm telling you, you'll be bitching in two years if they trade these pitching prospects for a, a purported ace and then the ace gets hurt or doesn't perform up to expectations and then those prospects turn into the next Dillon Cease. You guys will be livid. And I get it. But it's a fine a fine line to walk for Moseley to know we want to develop and if we can develop somebody, we want to give them a chance to thrive. But also, we may need to trade that guy for a guy that we know or have a, a higher degree of belief is going to thrive. That's a tough balance to walk right now, and the Cardinals are right in the middle of it. Ethan says, can't bank on anyone other than Libby joining the staff in 24 from Memphis. McGreevy more of a 25. Our guys are only getting older, but as Mo says, be patient. Yeah, don't be patient. Cardinals fans, you should <laughs> – don't be patient. Um, I, I just don't know if it's realistically uh, – if it's realistically time anymore for patience, I think it might be time for urgency. I was going to say panic. That sounds worse. It's time for urgency if you're the St. Louis Cardinals. And Jay Rose says, STL Media, baseball media, one of the best in the in, in the bigs. Well, thank you for that. I'll, even though you weren't probably talking about me, I'll take the compliment. I'll co-opt it. I'll say it was about me uh, because it makes me feel good. Ethan says, went to the game tonight and yesterday. Newt's looking great. Yeah, he's a stud and uh, lock him in right field for five years. Agree, except for you have Jordan Walker, so put Newton left. <laughs> or maybe center, depending on uh, what they do with Dylan. I, you know, I'm an everyday Dylan kind of guy, but it, today he was over, so can't brag about him. Uh, McLocal says, it says 601. We did get to 600 subs. Be number 602, one of y'all. Uh, and if you've been watching but you haven't been commenting, you can comment once you subscribe. Please, Please do. I won't beg, but yes, I will j Rowe can't wait to get to the offseason when they sign Shane, be- uh, Shane Bieber. Uh, better chance of signing Justin Bieber, honestly. No, I'm just playing. You never know. They could, but again, they have not shelled out the big bucks for a starting pitcher. Uh, they they were prepared to do it once with David Price, and they got outbid at the last second. Uh, and it ended up working out because he hasn't performed on that contract. Uh, we're debating whether Shane would be a good Cardinal. Not to mention, J-Rose says he's a Cy Young winner, but he's very much a guy that fits within the scope of most rotations. I would agree with that. I would say you want Shane Bieber on your team if you can get him. And uh, Ethan says it's a long shot, but he would be a great. Cardinal, don't see the front office giving out that contract. Yep, Ethan gets it. Ethan gets it. Teams receiving calls on Aroldis Chapman from Ken Rosenthal. I predicted that the day the Royals signed Aroldis Chapman. I said, they're going to get a prospect or two for him in, in the middle of the season. They They absolutely are. And the Royals did it last year with what's his name? I forget the picture that they had last year that they they signed him. It was a starter. Oh, it's gonna bug me that I can't come up with it. But the Royals knew they weren't gonna contend this year. I did think they would be better than uh than they have been, but they've been abysmal. I want Bobby Wood to be a thing. I want Bobby Witt Junior to be a thing so bad for the Royals and for their fans. And he's a fun young player. But uh consistency can be hard when you're when you're a young player like that. But the Royals have done this where they have signed guys to one-year contracts, and it's like, well, that just doesn't seem like it's uh, you know, realistically going to turn into anything. And then, lo and behold, the guy does well, and you're able to trade him at the deadline for something. I think that's kind of—at uh, least, at least you're doing something, Royals, right? If you're not able to contend, at least you're out there doing something. Uh, for the life of me, I can't remember who they did it with last year. It might have been a relief pitcher, but nevertheless— uh, yeah, I said that the day they signed him that they were gonna do that with Chapman. Bieber costs too much. Chapman is a rental. Chapman's a reliever too, by the way. That that would that they're not signing Chapman or trading for Chapman. But I get it. Um but teams that are that are fourteen games below five hundred or whatever, ten games below, they don't trade for closers generally. <laughs> they're doing the opposite. <laughs> J Rose says, You said you wanted Bieber, or no, you said it wouldn't be a good fit to have Bieber, but you want Chapman we are not playing NLB The Show, brother. No, we're not. I kind of agree with that, j ro How long until the Cardinals take over the Reds for fourth in the division? Ah, within the next couple of weeks, it'll happen. It could happen within the next few days, but they still have a nice little lead on the Cardinals. But nobody in this division is running away with it, so don't panic. Well, panic, be urgent, all of those things, be concerned. Don't panic that somebody's going to win 90 games in this division or more because I don't think anybody is. I, I think it's just going to be... A lot of tightness in the middle. The Cardinals will eventually leap the Reds. It'll be tougher to pass the Cubs. Uh, They'll probably—I'll say—they pass the Pirates before they pass the Cubs. How about that for a hot take based on the standings? Maybe not that hot of a take the way they're playing. But um, yeah, Ethan, I don't know, man. I think it'll be pretty soon. It'll be in—it'll be in May for sure. That's what I'm gonna say. Um, The Reds aren't that good. They have good young pitching, um, but I just don't think they have enough, and, and and the depth is not there for that team. All right, folks. I'm going to level with you. B Hack says I just got here, so sorry if you covered it. But who's your best guess for the most likely to be offered in a trade package? For what? Because they need to be a team that's contending to to make a buy now deal. Otherwise, the most likely to be traded is Montgomery and Flaherty in a in a sell type of move. If they can't become because again they're not gonna they're not gonna make a trade if they're if they don't turn it around. They're not a contender at that point. They have to win enough games to be considered somebody that can make a wild card at a minimum. Um, if they were going to do that and they were going to trade for a win-now piece, you're looking at Carlson, potentially, which I, I don't necessarily want to see, but you think guys with upside that have longevity ahead of them. Um, maybe, you know, they don't want to trade a Donovan. They don't want to trade a Gorman, rightfully so. Tommy Edmonds interesting. If they end up thinking they've got a, a real one in Mason Wynn, I could see him doing it. Paul DeYoung is... is not going to be under contract next year. It's a team option. That's just prohibitive. They're not going to pick it up, uh, no matter how good he plays. So I don't really think you can safely trade a Tommy Edmund either, but you're thinking about people that have value. I mean, it's possible. I hope I don't want to see that happen, but then it's prospects. It's the Graceffos and the McGreevy's and the Zach Thompson's and the, you know, but it just depends on what you're going after. Be heck. Um, but you say your mind was on a sell move. So I can answer that too. Uh, and Ethan adds a name to it. Should they sell high on DeYoung? If they're not a contender, they will trade. And DeYoung's still hitting 300 with a 900 or more OPS. Like, you know, he's over 1,000 right now. They'll trade DeYoung. Yeah, expiring contract. They'll trade Montgomery. They'll trade Flaherty. If they're selling, those are the first three names that come to mind. Um, You could really get into an interesting conversation about a Goldschmidt or an Arenado. I don't think it's going to get to that point. If it does... Mozalex will will not be the the president of baseball operation in, in 2024. Like if if they go sell to that degree, it's it's change is gonna come, my friends. But I don't think Edmund would be a guy you sell unless you're getting a long term answer in a pitcher. Because he's got value, rightfully. You're gonna sell the guys that are on an expiring contract if they go into sell mode. Uh, B says, love the Edmund and the young talk. Never thought I'd say that about Edmund, but here we are. And again, I don't think they should trade him, but I can, it just, I'm doing roster math, right? Um, if you, if Mason Win takes a step forward, you get into a spot where they're truly punting on the season. They sell those expiring deals. They call up Walker, they call up Mason win, and they at least sell some tickets down the stretch. Right. And that could be an interesting dynamic team. Um, and in the long run, again, you you trade those pitchers. You could have Montgomery, uh, not Montgomery, but McGreevy and Graceffo and Libertor in the rotation by August. You could have Mason Wynn playing shortstop and Jordan Walker every day in right field and just let it run, let it, let, let it ride. Cardinals fans would still have fun watching those games. I don't think I'd be out of a job um, because there'd still be interest in this team. But it's not acceptable to just say, oh, well, this season's a loss. It's time to lo- look to the future. I don't think you can do that yet because this team they expected to win and they should be held to that standard one more from Brendan on the way out we're gonna wrap this up soon guys my voice is killing me um I gotta I gotta figure out this posture thing for two hour streams uh fair point about McGreevy other question I got is when they start worrying about Nolan don't expect this to continue but even with the triple today he just still seems off. yeah, but he's gonna get he's gonna just get to that hot streak eventually isn't he I think he is. I don't know. You can worry about him. He's Maybe he's not the guy that he was, but I just don't think he falls off a cliff at age 32. He's too good. If there's an underlying injury that we find out about, that might make more sense. But you can look over the last seven games. Now he's uh, hitting 233, which isn't great. But the on-base is uh, over 300. The slug is 433. He's taken a few walks. Struck out, you know, still six times in seven games, but at least I think he'd start to turn the corner a little bit. Not every at bat's going to look perfect. We don't want to over scrutinize it. I think he's going to be okay, but I understand the question. Can one of you guys like it? If you haven't liked it, I want to get to 40 before I get out of here. Uh, Ethan says, The young core of Newt, BFD. Thank you for calling him BFD because that is his name. Carlson Gorman Walker win is a great and cheap pay hey, for pitching. Yeah, I could see that. Thank you for liking it. We did get to 40. Ryan C says, We do need an ace. I miss the old days. And he wonders if you could go after Gallon again. No, uh, I don't think those those Diamondbacks are gonna trade you Zach Allen back. No these backsies on that deal. Brian Howard, or Brandon Howard. Sorry, sorry, Brandon. I'm delirious at 11 p.m. Says, oh no, we suck again. It's one game. Oh gosh, dang it! One of you guys unliked it to make it go below 40, just because you hate me. That's fine. I guess I earned that. Uh, but nevertheless, please somebody else like it to get it to 40. Um, the Cardinals, they suck tonight. They might not suck on Friday. Day off on Thursday. I don't know if we'll do a live stream or not tomorrow. May not have a lot to talk about, so probably won't. But if you have something you want to talk about, DM me at bshafer12 on Twitter. And uh, maybe we'll get a a Patreon video going. I still got to do some of those this week. So appreciate you guys, though, as always, for listening to the stream. Make sure you like it and subscribe before you get out of here to the YouTube channel. Uh, Allison is wondering if we can issue a spirit win for tomorrow. That is Jim Hayes' jurisdiction. I I would never want to encroach. Uh, So so give him a shout at uh the cat on Bally TV I think is his Twitter handle and maybe he'll give you that the uh, spirit win for tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for joining me for this edition of B-Shape Daily Live. That's going to do it for this one. We will talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.